This is Strange Assembly episode 228, L5R LCG Corset Review Part 4. I'm Chris Stevenson. Here with me today are Jay Earl. Hello. And Mike Cook. Hey. And we are here for our uh, fourth and final card-by-card uh, <laughs> 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 card review episode of the Legend of the Five Rings, the card game core set. Part one, if you haven't listened to them, part one was Provinces and Neutral Cards. Part two was Crab and Crane. Part three uh, was Dragon and Lion. And this episode, that means we have to get Phoenix and... And Scorpion, and then we'll be done. <laughs> Phoenix and Scorpion and those other guys. Which we are, are going to do in, in one episode, so this one will probably end up being a bit longer. Uh, but uh, I also want to mention, if you have not seen it yet, uh, running through November 14th, is the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund auction on Board Game Geek, and uh, you can find out details about what the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund is at jackvassal.org, J-A-C-K-V-A-S-E-L dot O-R-G. But the short version is it is a it is a charity that distributes money to gamers in need, and we are auctioning off as we have done for the last several years. Basically, an episode of Strange Assembly, so you get to be on the podcast. Assuming you, I'm assuming you want to be on the podcast. You get to pick what it's about. You may have recently heard our episode with Roy. That was where he got to be in the Fantasy Flight booth and meet Chris Peterson and all that. That was through his uh, win in the 2016 version of this auction. So if you go to our website, strangeassembly.com, and you look at one of our recent episode posts, or if you're on facebook.com slash strangeassembly in one of the episode posts, you can see a link to this. It'll take you directly to the item on BoardGameGeek. Again, that runs through November 14th. So if you go do that, I know L5R players have a history of charitable contributions and so i'd like to see that continue as we have moved into the lcg era of course your episode does not actually have to be about l5r uh you can we can make it about some other completely different game but since this episode is all about l5r there's a good chance if you're listening to it you care about l5r so we're going to to phoenix uh we've already hit the province but we have everything else left so jay mr phoenix why don't you run the show for this one. Alright. So, start off with the Stronghold. Stat-wise, it's a pretty typical Stronghold. 2 Province Strength, 7 Fate, 10 Influence, high 11 Honor. Ability-wise, it's probably one of the least exciting Stronghold abilities, just because plus 2 Glory is hard to capitalize on. You need something else to really care about that. But it's definitely not the worst stronghold, so. Plus, it lets you play the best clan, so. <laughs> it, it can't be the worst stronghold because we haven't gotten to that one yet. Right. No, and, and we won't because that's not a real clan. <laughs> it, yeah, this one's interesting. It's, it's comparable to the dragon one in a way. 
in that, right, the dragon one is if you meet the right conditions, you give your character plus two, plus two. The phoenix one is if you meet the right conditions, you give your character plus two, plus two, or their character minus two, minus two. It's just not okay. as uh, as automatic to meet the conditions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the real problem, is the most common way to, to get benefit out of this, that is honor and dishonor, and those are just hard to come by a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's less, it's, it's not as exciting amongst the strongholds. It, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not exciting. Right, it's not bad, but I'm also looking forward to seeing what else we get. Presumably at some point they'll give new strongholds out and do something more interesting with it. it yes, they, I, if, if nothing else, one, I think they would do it anyway, but also the naming of the strongholds, right? If you plan this for this to be the one and only faction card, you don't yeah. call it Asawa Mori Sado or something like that. You, you would just call it Phoenix Stronghold or something more generic. Well, no, then it would be non-unique. Have you not been paying attention? The uniques get named, the non-uniques are the generics. Okay, it'll be cute and phoenix. Unique. And yes, I'm aware that... I've been around a while, I'm aware that there's not actually a place called cute and phoenix. At least three. But that doesn't mean they couldn't name <laughs> a card that. People. No. Anyway, jumping over to the personalities, we're going to start off with the naive student. He's a one-cost character... Dash military to political, and he has sincerity, which means when he dies, you get to draw a card. He's he's good. You should play him because cards are good. Also, I like drawing cards. Yeah. Also, you know, one cost for a body is, in my opinion, is a good thing to just be able to have bodies out cheaply. Next up is the Sheba Peacemaker, who's also one cost. He's got a whopping four military. One politics, but he can't go on the attack with that four military. But, you know, sometimes you just need somebody big to defend, so I like him. He is big and cheap. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's it's good to have some cheap bodies so, you know, you don't buy your champion, buy nothing else, and then get uh, Way of the Crab to the face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that That is a relevant consideration against the crab. No, no reason I would bring that up or anything, no. Then rounding out our one-costers is the Solemn Scholar. One mill, one politics. Action during a conflict. If you have the Earth Ring in your claimed ring pool, you can choose an attacking character and bow them. Earth is not high up on my list of rings that I want to be getting, but when the Solemn Scholar is on the board, it's a really good ring to have. Bow is a pretty strong ability to be able to resolve, and thanks to the lack of relevance and presence, you don't even have to send them. They can be sitting bowed at home from grabbing you the Earth Ring and still get their ability off. Yes, they can. <laughs> yeah. And Earth is never... It is not necessarily the most exciting ring right at this very second, but it's never a bad ring. No, it's not. Earth is sort of the middle of where of rings I want to get. For me, personally, as a Phoenix... Most of the time, my top grabs are fire and air and void, depending on board state and what I'm trying to do. Earth is next, and then water is my least interesting ring. 
Speaking of water, our next character is the Adept of the Waves. He's a two-cost, two-two, with action, choose a character. Till the end of the phase, they gain covert during water conflicts. So, on the one hand, is a really strong ability, being able to hand out covert. There's not a huge amount of covert, and covert is really strong. On the other hand, water is, as I just said, probably the ring I least want to be grabbing. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are occasions where water does nothing. There are occasions where water is amazing. Yeah, I feel like assassination helps water stay relevant because there's a lot of times you just don't want to put uh, any glory on it too because you don't want it to get sniped. Oh yeah, you don't want to put fade on it. But I mean, yeah, it it is especially the. There is the nice little combo, depending on the board state, that you can get with the depth of the waves and the water ring. Because you can really, you know, like this guy, I'm attacking with water ring, so this guy has to defend, but then that guy can't defend. I, I mean, like, just the most basic thing is, well, your character who doesn't have any fate on them, they can't defend. So, you, you know, normally that becomes your defender for a water, water ring attack. Like, well, this is the guy who's going to get bowed anyway, may as well have him defend. You can just say that they can't. Right. In addition to the covert, but I, covert is extremely good. Oh, it, it is, yeah. And it's it's entirely on the fact of just how strong covert is that the adept is still playable. Because, again, I don't care about water ring. Um, all right, next up, the Asako Diplomat. Two cost, one military, two politics. After they win a conflict, choose a character, honor or dishonor that character. So, their stats aren't particularly exciting, but Phoenix so wants the honorable status that you pretty much right now need to be including the Osako Diplomat just to push in some honor tokens and really get your engine going. Yeah, I feel like the Osako, of the characters we've talked about so far, the Osako Diplomat is the first one where he's not just firmly in your deck and you're like, yes, this is a good card to have in my deck. Not that you don't include him in your deck because, yeah, that does help with the stronghold, but it's not efficient and you do have to win. But, you know, you get to, as long as you can win one, then the, the follow-up attack or the follow-up conflict, you're going to be much stronger. Well, and you don't have to break a province or anything. You just have to win. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's it's definitely one that goes in the deck, but you're not super enthused to buy. Hopefully at some point we'll have enough honor in in other cards that we won't really have to play with play with the diplomat, but that's not where we are right now, so. Next up is the meddling mediator. The two cost zero three. Action if an opponent has declared two or more conflicts against you this phase either take a fate or an honor from them. So this to me is somebody that you're including because for two costs you're getting three politics and one game in three you'll actually get to steal a fate or an honor and, and be extra happy for that. What? I, I mean, I know, the, I know we've talked about this before where I think my experience involves multiple attacks, you know, you know, three or four attacks around 
more than yours does, but one if, once every three games you're going to get to trigger this. I mean, if I if you put out meddling mediator and that stops your opponent from declaring a second attack, that's fantastic. If you get to steal a that's fate, cool. that's fantastic. I think the meddling mediator is is great. I I mean, I I don't often lose fate to her because I don't because of the way my deck plays, it doesn't keep a lot around, and if the meddling mediator, medi- mediator is sitting there, I will actually do things like, well, why don't I just attach this beforehand so you steal an honor instead? <laughs> but that still makes your opponent, I mean, you know, that, that makes me lose flexibility to drain cards down earlier, and that's, of course, assuming my honor is high enough where losing an honor isn't a big issue. True. But... I don't know. I mean, I think we had this... I think this came up with the Intimidating Hida. You were like, oh, I like this better, because most of the time, my opponents don't declare two conflicts. But I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, that that could just be that's, you know, how how things have shaped up in my environment versus yours. I will have a much stronger opinion after I go to a Cote and, or two and see what the game plays more like there. But yeah. My my experience is there's not not a huge amount of multiple conflicts being declared, and then the mediator definitely makes it so my opponents instead of going splitting it two different attacks will just send all their guys on the one attack and guarantee it in. Yeah, I I would say it's fifty fifty for me. I would say yeah, I see both quite frequently currently. Alright, so next up is, we got the Radiant Orator at 3 cost. She's a 1 for one military, 2 politics. Uh, action, while this character is participating in a conflict, if you count more current glory than your opponent among ready participating characters, choose an enemy character, move them home. So here's something to actually use for glory with your box other than uh, Honor Dishonor. On the one hand, she's got really bad stats. On the other hand, I feel like most of the time you should be able to get off that send home ability. Back to the first hand, though, I think we've discussed send home is not nearly as uh, exciting in this edition of the game. I mean, it's usually not, but when it's, hey, I send your, when you hit this with the stronghold and it's, hey, I send your clan champ home, that still seems pretty good. Yeah. And she can't be assassinated, so you're safe to put feet on her so you can get more value out of her. If you get two moves out of her, that's essentially the same cost as two of the routes or outwitted, and it's a much easier thing to hit that you're almost guaranteed to hit. Yeah. Although then you're also, like, that's uh, equating it for as a two for a one-two, which is not great, but given everything you're getting and it's a quarter to activate other things, I think she's... She's pretty decent. Yeah. Next up is the Serene Warrior. Three cost for a 3-2. Horrible. Both for glory. Which, uh, again, not as exciting as you want it to be. I feel like if honoring your guys were more reliable than it is, this guy would just be amazing because you would be paying three and getting six or seven force. But, honestly, I feel like Dishonor is just so much easier to hand out. I'm used to him just being Toku sitting at home, zero zero more than 
the even the bad three two that I paid for. Yeah, I mean your your characters are otherwise looking at, at things like a three two for three with two glory. You're, you're gaining two glory, and then losing an ability. Yeah, and yeah, and the glory is harder to reliably use. I mean, yeah, okay, it combos with things like Radiant Order, too. Who cares? Yeah, the big thing is that, oh, well, now if I honor this character, <laughs> it's huge. But, of course, there's also the downside of which is if the Serene Warrior gets dishonored, they're just blanked. Yeah, I, 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 I think, yeah, I, I don't think the Serene Warrior is playable. No, not right now. Again, if, if at some point we reach a point where getting the honorable status is much easier than it is now, I could definitely see him making into decks because paying three for seven force is ridiculous. But yeah, no, there's just too much easy dishonor, not enough easy honor. So I mean, if you guys don't want him, we'll take him. <laughs> he has to, he has to put on the blue so I can actually hit him with my glory, though. Yeah, Jay, tell him you'll. Yeah. Uh, You'll, you'll trade the Serene Warrior for the Doji Challenger. No. Uh, nope, not happening. <laughs> I'll trade the Serene Warrior for being able to play your way of. <laughs> Fair. I think that would work I'll out well that. for the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in a heartbeat. Alright, next up is the Shibi Ojimbo, who has the same stats but with two glory, but also uh, keeps your Shigenjas happy. Interrupt when the effects of a trigger ability that targets the Shugenji you control would initiate. Cancel them. I really don't see this not going into Phoenix decks for a while. Uh, unless we get some weird no Shugenja deck. Yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yojimbo is, is totally worth playing to keep your Shugenja uh, happy. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you walk around never activating your Shiba Yojimbo, it's because your opponent is having being forced to play around the Shiba Yojimbo. Yes, it's worth three cost for a lightning rod sometimes. For three cost, you've got Isawa Masahiro, who's the same stat line. Three, four, three military, two politics, two glory. He's a Shigenja. Action, during a fire conflict, bow him. Choose a participating character with pretty cost two or lower. Discard them. So, for fire conflicts, he's assassination on a stick. He's definitely another one that forces... This is sort of a theme the Phoenix have, is they force your opponent to play a different game sometimes, and force to play around your cards. Yeah, because it's how Masajiro says more something like, your opponent will not assign two-cost characters to fire conflicts. I, I will say that, like, I, I don't think this guy should have needed to bow for this ability. Like, it's already got the fire conflict, and most likely my 3-2 is more relevant than your 2-cost guy. I don't know. It, it certainly weakens him that he has to bow for it. I mean, especially because that means that once he has participated in a conflict, your opponent doesn't have to worry about it anymore, unlike the Solemn Scholar. Right Yes. So, like the Solemn Scholar, he doesn't actually have to be participating in that fire conflict to get off his ability. Yes. Yeah, he can He can still sit at home and do his thing. Alright, next up, 
we're getting into the four costs. The fearsome mystic, two military, four, po- um, four political, one glory, plus two glory during air conflicts. And action, while this character is participating in a conflict, remove one fate from each participating character your opponent controls with lower glory than this character. So this is another, if you can get it off, can be major, major damage to your opponent. Getting, yeah, just removing potentially multiple fate is a major attack. So again, you're sort of forcing your opponent to play around your card. Yeah, and if you've used your stronghold on the Fearsome Mystic, then she's going to hit almost everyone against most yep. clans. Yep. So you don't need your fate. Yeah. So this this restriction, like her restriction, is less ironclad than all the other ones. I feel like. Yes. Yeah. Sure. She's just she's automatically great in the. Oh god, air. she's an air, right? I wish yeah, these symbols. Air. I wish the symbols for fire and water and air were more distinct. I gotta say, I'm looking at GargameDB and it actually just says air in brackets when it has the text to the side. Yeah, yeah. it's mostly air and water in that if they are rotated, they look almost the same. You have to get the orientation right. Yeah, what the the air is like swooping in from above around to the left and then in, and water is swooping in from the bottom around to the left and then in. <laughs> uh, well, especially like at least on the cards, they're oriented. When you have the five rings out between you, they're not really in any specific way. I I feel like I should not have to be like peering at the like picking up the ring and double like double checking. Okay, that's that's air that's sitting there with a with a fade on it, not water. Yes. Important sometimes to explicitly agree with your opponent to these things. <laughs> Alright. Next up at our forecast is one of is our province buster, Asawa Itsuko. She's a three three. During a void conflict, until the end of the conflict, each participating character you control gets plus one plus one, and each participating character your opponent controls gets minus one minus one. Province Buster. I mean, she's really good any other time, too, but if it's time for the province and I've got Itsuko out, that's a void province, and we're, we're just going to be giant beefy, and you're going to be not so much. Do you mean Stronghold Buster or any province? Yeah, sorry, Stronghold Buster. Okay. That's, yeah, she, she, she is in the deck, at least for me, because when it comes time for getting rid of the Stronghold, she will eat the Stronghold. Or it's a game I'm not going to win anyway. <laughs> if, if if they can hold me off under Atsuko, that that was their game in it to begin with. And then your your clan champion. Yes, clan champion Sukune, five for a four four four, and when the conflict phase ends, resolve the ring effects of up to two unclaimed rings, as if you are the attacking player. So correct wording. <laughs> Can you imagine if they left that off of her? Like, oh, no one's the attacking player. Nothing happens. This card is blank. Well, also, from what I've seen, the most forgotten ability used in this game so far, which is probably saying something, but 
I know I have forgotten triggers of her repeatedly. I have watched games played where they forgot the trigger repeatedly, which is a shame because it is a ridiculously strong ability. Getting pretty much any ring except water, again, we don't really like water, off more or less for free just because it didn't get take claimed earlier is a really good thing to have. Again, that mean, it, it sounds like in my games it's less likely that there's going to be, you know, those fewer conflicts. But even if there's if there's three conflicts in a turn, there's still going to be two rings left. And yeah. even if there's four conflicts in a turn, that does not mean that four rings got claimed, right? It is it is not uncommon to have attacks or or defenses, you know, to have attacks where it ends up being like, oh, nobody has anything, nobody takes the ring it goes back into the the pool and as long as you know one of those two isn't water <laughs> yeah okay then there's also the holding which you should be playing cuz it's amazing yeah free a free card every free single card. turn yeah, yeah. <sighs> what's not to love cards win games that draws cards yeah so i the, the phoenix are interesting i don't like what is the tail end of your deck? Because when I look at the Phoenix, I'm assuming, like, we know I like holdings. So I'm playing with, uh, you know, I'm playing with all the forgotten libraries I can get. I'm playing with a lot of the neutral holdings. Naive Student, Sheba Peacemaker, Solemn Scholar, Adept of the Waves, Meddling Mediator, and Sukune. And the Yojimbo, right? I think I want, like, I I feel confident that I want all of those in my Phoenix deck, and that's thirty-ish cards. But then I do not know what the right combination of things is for everything else. There's a lot of guys who are like really solid, and they they change the way your opponent plays to some extent, but they also force you to change how you're playing like oh i need to get my earth early so i can get my solemn scholar off but oh but then i need to make sure that i take a void conflict at a time when i can really use at suko and then this and then that and then uh i don't know what do you where do you end up on that i think the answer is that even in in just core environment phoenix actually have a couple of different ways they can go and so it becomes a question of what are you trying to do like Again, Atsuko is my stronghold buster. But if I'm not shooting for strongholds, if I'm playing a Dishonored deck, maybe I don't care about Atsuko. Maybe I would rather have Masahiro to murder face some people that are coming in and attacking me when they try to get fire so that I can't. Or, alternatively, if I am playing the really aggressive deck, maybe I'm not okay with Shiba Peacemaker's inability to attack, even though he is a cheap body. Just the fact that I can't use him for offense means that he doesn't make the cut. So yeah, I I don't know. I'm not a good enough player to really have a good answer for this. (laughs) What do you think, Mike? Which, Which of these, other than Serene Warrior, which I think we can all... Like, that's the weird thing. I can... Serene Warrior is the only one of these I feel like I can look at and say, that should not be in a deck. Yeah. I don't know. All of them seem okay to me. Uh, Other than Serene Warrior, like you said. Okay. Conflict. On to the conflicts. So start out with our characters. 
You've got the Ishikin Initiate, who's uh, two cost, one, one, and they get plus one, plus one for each claimed ring. Uh, again, this problem, going back to our differing experiences, if you're seeing four conflicts a turn, and so they're going to be a 4-4 four, four for that fourth conflict, probably pretty worth your two investment. For me, that two investment for a 1-1-2-2, one, one, two, two, just not that exciting. I'm actually not that excited about the issue and initiate okay. generally. It's really hard to hold back that much fate until the final one. And unless literally three rings have already been claimed, then she's a 3-3 three, three for two, which is good, but like that's a very conditional 3-3 three, three for two. The fact that she baselines at a 1-1 one, one is painful. I mean, I guess you can probably always afford to make her as a 2-2, two, two but a 2-2 two, two for 2 is blech, uh, if that's all you're getting. So, I'm actually not hot on her. Well, it, it, it is a 2-2 two, two for 2 out of hand, which is not terrible. But there's a lot of 2-2s two, for 2 out of hand that, that do really nice things. I mean, her, her sure. nice thing is that sometimes she's a 3-3 three, three, or, if you're lucky, a 4-4. Four, four. I mean, if you get to play her as a 4-4, a four, four, that is a heck of a thing. Like, your opponent thinks that you're done with the conflict phase, and you're like, hold on a minute, guys. <laughs> Here comes Ishikin Initiate to try to crack your province. Yep. I think she's playable, but not great. She probably could very easily get replaced. Pretty soon. <laughs> In a couple of weeks. Yeah. On the other hand, our other character is playable. For two cost, it's an O2. While this character is attacking, the contested ring gains air, and if you win as the attacker, you may choose which of its ring effects to resolve. So again, if I'm playing a Dishonor deck or a deck that cares about honor, being able to dump, uh, jump in and say, oh, by the way, this water conflict that I don't care about the water ability is now also air, and I'm going to steal some of your honor, that's pretty good. I'm not hot on the Seeker of Knowledge. I get what you're saying in that like, if you're trying to dishonor, this can get an extra one honor out of your opponent. And that's, especially if they're not expecting it, that's not nothing. But she's a 0-2 for two. I mean, she also has lots of key... I mean, she's a courtier and a Shugenja, so... If you're, say, splashing Scorpion, now if she works on all sorts of your cards. Oh, yeah. You're definitely paying for that ability. But, yeah, it's definitely nice that she's got both Courtier and Shugenja. Those are the two traits you most often care about. Going into attachments, uh, we got the Magnificent Kimono, which is free, plus one political skill, and the attached character gains pride. The fun thing, of course, to do is you're playing a Dishonor deck, you toss it on your opponent's guy when they're losing the conflict, and suddenly they're Dishonored. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. it's also a... You can also play it as kind of a lousy way of the crane. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most often, if I'm playing it, that's what I'm doing is, okay, I've locked in this conflict already, toss it on, get get, get my guy honored so that next turn there'll be a giant beef. Yeah, it's it's hard to get super excited about the magnificent kimono. You've you've got plays where it does nifty stuff, but the 
but the the fact that it it, it doesn't help you in this conflict other than the plus one. Well, and also uh, the the fact that it's pride rather than what the diplomat did of being a reaction means it, it, I've had it backfire. I've had it. You play it, and then they're like, "Oh, well, I think now it is worth it for me to win this fight." Yeah, exactly. Next up, attachment-wise, is Grasp of Earth. It's a one-cost, plus-one, plus-one. Attached to a Shugenja you control. And as an action, during a conflict, by the attachment, opponent's characters cannot move to the conflict or be played from hand until the end of the conflict. I'm not really that big of a fan of this guy, just because I don't feel like there's a huge amount... I mean... May, this is a meta choice. There's a couple clans like Scorpion that might be playing a lot of people out of their hand. Or the same or, person over and over again. Yes. A certain other clan that does a lot of movement shenanigans. But just to me, the fact that you have to spend an action to activate it, I'm just not that enthused. And also... Right now, we we don't have the all Shugenja deck, so I've I've had games where this is in my hand, and I just don't have anyone in play I can actually put it on. Yeesh, no Shugenja. Yeah, that's yeah. not good. It happens. You're sometimes. not phoenixing right. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, it, it is if if you look at the phoenix. So, like, let's say out of Dynasty, right? You've got thirteen characters, and is it literally? It's just the five Shugenja. Right? Yeah. One per element? And, and two of them are unique. Well, that's... I'm, not, I'm less concerned about that, but... That just means that when the second one shows up, your first one stays around longer. It can be pretty exciting when you've got like, oh, my unique is about to fade away this turn. Oh, I got a new one in the dynasty! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Stay around for another turn without having to be repurchased. Uh, but no, you, you, you do only have five. And that's one of the issues if you, right, when you go back to the dynasty and we're talking about who do you play with, well, out of those five, I have two of those as auto-includes right now for uh, for Phoenix, but the other three are in that realm of, oh, do I use that or not? And if you're loading on full play sets of all of those Shugenja, not only do you have a lot of characters in your deck that cost four or five, but now you're not playing, if you wanted to, you're now not playing with, say, a Sako Diplomat or Radiant Orator. You know, those are going to be, those, you know, you're actually losing some other options. So it, usually spotting one is not an issue, but yeah, you, you do have to have one, and, and that's, like, at best, 15 cards in your deck. So, you know, it's possible not to hit them. Yeah. Uh, anyway, final attachment is pacifism. Two cost, cannot be played during a conflict, and attached character cannot military conflicts. But what's that, Kasada? You're a hippie now? I would say that this is probably my most letting let go of attachment I have. Yeah, it's funny about that. You must you must let go of your attachment to this non-violence thing. Just yeah. just really let go. Smash things. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, this is this is one of those I mean, it's too cost, which is expensive, but if you can get it and get it to stick on the right people, that can just shut them down. Yeah, you've 
got to play it. It's pricey, but you've got to play it. Yeah, and then just be sad every time it gets let go of. <laughs> every time it gets discarded. Every time it gets discarded. Yes, yes. I will come up with eight more ways to conjugate let before I would say discard, okay? Yeah, or you could just say let go. I believe that is actually let go. I think you can just say let go. But Supernatural Storm, you cannot play let go on Supernatural Storm. So how how big is this usually for you? I mean, do you do you reliably get at least plus two plus twos out of it? Well, as we were saying, it's hard to have Shugenja on the board. Yeah, if I'm playing it, I want to get a plus two, plus two, but I have played it for plus one, plus one, just because I need that extra one to get over uh, a province. Because desperate, but hey. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> I got to bust that province, and I just need one force, and ho, hey, here's one force. I definitely think that this will be a card once we get through that first cycle, and you can play the all Shugenja Phoenix deck. And suddenly this is regularly a two, three, four boost for free. This card is going to earn a lot of hate. But yeah, right now it's dead or not that exciting. I'd rather have Bonsai in my hand 95% of the time that I'd have this card in my hand. Well, yeah, although this is, it, it is, it is a big deal that this can be played in either a political or a military conflict. Also true. What about your way? We got Way of the Phoenix. As an action, choose a ring and an opponent. That player cannot declare conflicts of that ring's element this phase. Max one per phase, so I can't play all three and force you into the two rings I like. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I like Way of the Phoenix. It, it gives you some interesting ring control effects. You can lock it down so you can get that giant pile of fate. If you are desperate for one of the rings, you really need fire or air, you can more or less guarantee that you'll have a shot at it. You can even use it if you've got Sukune on the board to just say, this ring's not in, not gonna come into effect, I'm gonna make sure Sukune gets to use it. <laughs> you, you do not get to do your final attack with Void, you are gonna take that <laughs> water ring for your last attack. Ha ha yes. ha ha ha. It also, I would think, it has enhanced utility for you because of all the ring interactions of your characters. For example, if you want to use Isawa Atsuko to be able to attack your opponent on Void, it's probably important for you to make sure that they can't just declare Void first. Yes. This is... Yeah, I can also see being dissatisfied with this because you're like, well... Well, I guess I can stop him from taking that, but then he's just going to take that one. <laughs> and uh... yeah. yeah, I want to keep you off like three of these rings. This is only going to block one of them. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, it's not the same thing as your opponent's next conflict must choose ring X, yeah. which yeah. would be really good. <laughs> it's probably probably a good thing they didn't make that. Yeah, yeah. that would be way too strong. Okay, let's agree that Against the Waves is ludicrous and move on to Know the World. I'm okay with that, yeah. <laughs> no argument here. Yeah. Oh, what's that? I just paid one to bow your champion, Chris? Yeah, that <laughs> actually happened today. Yeah. Yes, we're right. we all keep saying bow is good. 
against the waves, bow anybody, don't even have to wait till they get in the conflict. Yep. So yeah, know the world, one cost, switch a ring in your claimed ring pool with an unclaimed ring and gain all fate on that ring. I have a love-hate with this. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes you... Oh, the Earth Ring has accumulated four fates. I attack on Void for Atsuko, get my crazy Void, and then I slip it, swatch it into Earth, and I'm able to use my Solemn Scholar and get all of this money. Other times it's, oh, I don't have any rings to switch. This is a dead card. I don't think I've ever... I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a ring with four fate on it. It was once during the opening weekend uh, when when it was one core. People didn't quite know what they were doing. One of the one, my opponent was dragon and kept using guys that paid fate out to the same ring. Ah, didn't, and then didn't claim it himself. Yeah, didn't quite understand why that was a bad plan. And yeah, yes. And then the mighty display of power. Display of power are two cost. After you lose an unopposed conflict, cancel the ring effect, then you resolve the ring effect as if you had won the conflict as the attacking player and claim the ring. So, you still lose an honor because you didn't defend it. You still potentially lose the province, but you get the ring out of it, so that's nice. Most of the time I feel like I'd rather pay two for a body and just chump block, but there definitely are times where just getting... Oh, they, they're going first, they got the ring effect you really want, maybe they attack on air, and they're at one honor, and oh man, I just uh, don't bother to block and display my power here. <laughs> well, that could be a big swing, you know, I mean, if you just think about a, a not atypical situation, like your opponent has a clan champion, you have a clan champion, they each have one void on them, they swing in, they have one fade on them, they swing in on void. You know, you just went from your clan champion dies to their clan champion dies at the end of this turn. I mean, that's a very true. common sort of situation. That is true. If you display of power the Ring of Earth, that's like a three-card sw- swing once you take into account that you lost the display of power. Yeah, it's, it's not horrible. It's just that two is, you know, scary sometimes. Uh, no, no, it it costs. Yeah. Especially if your opponent is playing Crane or Scorpion. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm less impressed with the Phoenixes at the moment with the Phoenixes uh conflict options, although it's less important how impressed one is with the conflict options because there's a lot of solid neutral conflict options, but there's a, a several very top heavy cards. And that is important in the long run for a clan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like yeah, against the waves is great, and supernatural storm is only going to get better. This is true. Yeah, and as long as you're willing to pay two, you've got uh, some crackerjack cards too. I think once we reach the point where there are enough cards out that you can build a reliable Pierre deck, a lot of these options become much stronger than they are right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they continue to make Shugenja that are tied to the rings. Does it become the right thing to continue to have a spread of lots of Shugenja covering lots of different elements? Or 
is it more beneficial to to sort of load up on them like well if i don't win earth maybe that's not good but if i you know if i like have this guy who went you know who i already have a character who gets enhanced when i claim when i already have the earth ring and now i have a character that makes me want to get into earth conflicts in that earth ring to begin with yeah yeah I feel like we're probably going to see, after you reach the threshold for the all Shigendra deck, the next threshold is going to be, okay, now I'm a two or three element Shugendra deck. But who knows what the future will bring us, other than Kate, who is awesome. <laughs> yes, another another five. Everybody's getting another five. We'll have to start deciding how many of those you can afford to have in a deck. Since it's like, my turn is playing this character. Yes. And my turn is killing my one-cost chud to kill your five-cost guy. <laughs> oh, way of the crab. Yes, yes. It, it turns out that it's ill-advised to buy nothing but your clan champion or another five-cost character playing against crab. That's not bad. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, yeah. Okay, so Scorpion, they're, they're like the dirty crane. Do you want to lead the discussion on them, Mike? I sure do. Uh, chance to spread rumors and lies? Absolutely. Okay, so their stronghold ability is pretty good. Anytime I am less honor than you, which is probably going to be most of the time, I get an honor from you. This really helps when you're, like, trying to drag them down, right? You can do things like, I heard that Assassination is one of the best cards in the game, and this helps me basically play it for a lot less. I think that that's a key point, because a lot of what the City of the Open Hand does, I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously it does drag them down, but it also keeps you afloat. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really well angled in that design, and I think it's not as obvious as previous Dishonor things have been, but I think it's actually really, really good, because it shows how they really want... I just I really like the ability, and it's really good, and it's not straight up, I just hit you for honor, but it's, I can do dishonorable things, and I'm just going to drag you down with me. Yeah, and I... I think that City of the Open Hand, I think, is the best stronghold. And it really changes the way that the game, like, in an omnipresent way, changes the way the game is played. It's also, depending on how you look at it, just card draw. Right. Because it lets you bid high, and if they bid low, I mean, right, if your opponent just keeps bidding one or something, at some point you have to stop bidding five if nothing else is going on. But every time that you use that, like that's a two-point honor swing. That's a two-card swing. Yes. In the game, you know, you you want to just be able to keep on drawing cards, and if they choose to choke themselves out, okay. It is a very strong, very strong stronghold. Yes, congratulations, Scorpions! You have successfully lied. Everybody bought it. Everybody bought it. Well, that's not even the City of Lies, though. The City of Lies, for some reason, makes events cheaper. Oh, they can't come out with the big guns immediately. 
The Scorpion never shows you all of their plans. I feel like people don't have a terribly high opinion of City of Lies. I don't know that I've ever really discussed it that much with anybody, but if anybody told me they didn't like it, I would not understand why what their opinion was. So in a Scorpion deck, how many... How many events that cost fate do we expect to see? You've got nine in faction you're playing with, right? I mean, just sort of skipping right. ahead to the conflict things. I feel like you are playing with calling in favors. You are playing with I can swim, although that is more situational. You are playing with blackmail, right? I think a lot of their cards are really good solution cards, but a lot of like a lot of solution cards, uh, solution cards frequently don't need to be run as three ofs, right? You just need it when you need it and have it turn the tide. You don't need to do it like every single time the situation pops up. Well, but I mean, calling in favors is an attachment and blackmail right. is a person as a character, you know, a cheap character. Right. But then it overlaps with assassinate a lot of ways and assassinate is free. Like I'm not saying it's bad by any means. I just, you know, if you have assassination, so you, if you kill off one of their two costers and then steal one of their other two costers, obviously that's that's quite good. But I don't think you need to do that too many times in the game before you've basically just won. You basically only need to do it once. So a lot of those solution cards, like, yes, you're, they're going to be in the deck, but you can probably run them more at like a 1-2 level than necessarily all three copies. Let's say you're right, and you're only running two of each of those. Right. That's six events that cost. And then you're going to play with, right, we've we've all talked about how, well, you know, route and outwit are okay. Mm-hmm. You get route, outwit, you get charge, you've got a couple of good charge targets. I don't want to bag on City of Lies, and I think it's a bit underestimated, because I still think that holdings a lot of times are underestimated. If like That's kind of a, the recurring theme of this four-part series, is Chris likes holdings. <laughs> Chris is a secret Yusuke. <laughs> but there's never a turn when draw a card is bad but I think the City of Lies is going to have turns where it doesn't hit much more frequently than like the Crane one does unless you start to favor some of those one cost neutral events that you maybe wouldn't otherwise be pumped about, knowing that, well, I'm playing with City of Lies, so there's a good chance that my route or my outwit or my charge is going to be free. Well, yeah, I I will say also that is a holding that is most likely going to go up in value quite a bit because I would guess they're not going to release a ton of zero-cost actions and a lot, and all, you know, very frequently, the ones that can actually impact the board cost one, which I think is correct, because uh, zero cost can, you know, it's just whoever has most cards in hand, period. And I feel like this game is much better balanced around actions that impact the board actually cost you, so you have to plan for them, and it's not just whoever has the biggest hand size. So, I feel like the most impactful cards are probably going to cost one. That means that it's just going to get better. And I think it's very likely you splash Crane in this, so Admit Defeat is a one-coster. Noble Sacrifice is a one-coster. And it lets you... They kind of know that you have it, but they also kind of don't know that you have it. If that makes any sense. 
that is a good point. Your splash is a place that you can bring things in, and admit defeat is very good. Although, are they on a? They're on a seeker roll, so they just get the ten influence. So what? Yeah, admit admit defeat. I guess if they wanted, they could play with five of those. Although I I I want to be like okay. I don't care if I'm Scorpion. I gotta find a way out to honor my guys so I can play Voice of Honor because <laughs> those event negations are so good. <laughs> yeah. So what about the Dynasty side? Dynasty side, the Ushuaier seems real good. He's stupid good. The Dash is a real thing, but honestly, having Glory Zero is really nice. You can't boost him, but they can't dishonor him out. Just being able to draw a card for one. He's three political. He's basically everything you want. Zero would have been nice, but then he probably would have been way too good. Yeah, I mean, we thought Matsu Berserker, who's a three dash for one, was great. This guy is a a dash three for one, and he has sincerity. You could literally take the sincerity off of him, and he would still be good. And he's a courtier, which is a very relevant keyword. Yes, it's an extremely relevant keyword for the Scorpion. The Bayushi Liar is amazing. He will be played for ages to come. Yes. He's literally the same as Naive Student, but one more politics. Yeah, he's ridiculous. He's a very simple sort of card. He's not a flashy card. He's ridiculous. Yeah. So the next one is Bayushi Manipulator. I think this card stays in until you find something else to replace him with, most likely. If the honor dial is permanently changed, maybe he I would like him better, but because you are only increasing the value and not the actual like not the actual value on the dial by one, it, like basically this is like, okay, well they went ahead and went for it and they want four cards or five cards or whatever. And you know what? I don't need to drain him for that much, so I guess I'll just go ahead and get an extra card this turn. And then other than that, he's like a one for one one for one courtier. It's okay, like kind of bad stats. It, yeah, so I'm I'm not I don't particularly like the Bayushi manipulator, because he still costs fate to bring out into his things, but I think that when you're using if you want to use the Bayushi manipulator and think about the value of him, you think about him in terms of just card draw. That his card says reaction during your draw phase, draw a card. Yeah. Because you are just planning on bidding five. Lose an honor, draw a card. For the most part. And then it lets you turn it into a six. And, right, you were saying you don't care what your opponent's honor is. Really? Because if they, I mean, if they, if they bid something high, whatever. That's great. Now, if we both bid five, they'll take an honor from me. And I can take it back with my stronghold. Right. And if they, you know, and if they bid low, whatever. They're choked out. Now I'm going to just stomp them with my massive hand. Yeah. And I'm not going to lose because my stronghold will keep me afloat. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's relevant. I just, I still think he's okay. I also like him. This is not a tournament play. This is a fun deck play. Splashing Crane, playing Duelist Training, and then make, watching your opponent's head explode when you've got him on the board and you start some duels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that is that is actually true. Uh, although you can't do that in the the initial honor bid. Uh, as well. Yeah, you would have to to save it for the conflict phase. I agree that that is a a fun play right now, but really that's that's in some ways stronger punch wise. 
or or maybe just drawing a card is always better. But you look at Bayushi Liar, who is a three dash and is also just basically draw a card because you're probably not putting fate on this guy. Yeah, you you are going to get a card out of him eventually, and if even if you put a fate on the liar, yeah, and you're not you can't you can't put a fate on the manipulator. I yeah. don't think you're never going to be able to afford that much fate to get another card next turn. Well, and even the the liar, I could maybe see putting a fate on every once in a while. Like if you just need him for two turns to really help you out, because that three is actually pretty chunky. And then if you know, say he gets assassinated, that's still like they. It feels like a lot less of a loss than like you, they assassinated your two with a fate on it. I I just think you know when it's cut, starting to come down to time with, to cut down to forty after we have some more cards, I I don't think manipulator lasts very long, or he's going to be in a different style of deck. I, I could see an argument to just not even play with him right now. Right. It depends on what your plan is for the honor dial. I think you play by issue manipulator. If you look at him and you say he's reaction draw card and I don't care right. about the like the the honor thing, I will my stronghold is going to keep me up. Yes. The next one up is Sinister Soshi, who is sinisterly good, I think. Yes. This is basically I get to repeat my poison over and over, and Shugenja to help you turn on Cloud the Mind. She's just she's real good. Yeah, she's not strictly this, you know, right? She's different in a variety of ways, most of them, many of which make her stronger, some of which make her worse. But she's kind of like getting a 2-2 for one. Right. And that would be amazing. So, the Sinister Soshi is also amazing. Even though she's a dash-dash, even if, like, say I have a Kikita Challenger and I pull her in, her action doesn't even bow her. So that doesn't even do anything. She still gets her action. Yes. She, she can't be bowed, unlike Fiery Madness. You can't let go on it. It's just, nope. And she is indeed a combo with your clan champion. Yes. And uh, you can't even do, not that anybody's doing anything like this, but you can't even do anything like bring her into the conflict and then do the overrun or whatever, kill a character after you break this province. Oh, fallen in battle. Yeah, no yeah. one is doing that. But yes, because no, she nobody's go doing right that. away. Right, exactly. So you can't even stick her in battle and then like do something, oh, or duel her and kill her. Right, so... But yeah, so she's just, she's real strong, I think. Next one is a Blackmail Artist. Yeah, he's, yeah, he does basically everything. The body is a little subpar, but other than that, he just, he's pretty good. He would be better if Scorpion didn't have so many incredibly strong options. Yeah, but but I mean, I think it, once we get more cards and more options, likely decks will diverge more than they do right now and I still think he's pretty good in a dishonor type of option a dishonor switch type of option there's really not a switch it's just winning by and then occasionally dishonoring you out if you're not careful so Soshi Illusionist next? yes just two for a one three spend a fate to a character discard a status token from that character it's okay I feel like this is actually a meta card more than anything yeah. Oh, I'm playing against Phoenix or Crane. Good luck staying honorable, guys. If you are playing a low-to-the-ground deck in Scorpion, you can actually use this to help you do things like, I steal your equipment, then I'm going to use this and get rid of this dishonored status, and now I'm going to steal your other equipment, or I'm going to stop your action. So, you know, it helps to re-enable people to do things like that, or 
hey, you're going to take my province. No, you're not. I'm going to get rid of that four bonus. And getting honored again, unless you're Crane, is not particularly easy. Even for Crane, it's not super easy. Yeah, pay a fate, get a ring effect, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, it is situational, and it, and it is pricey. And you don't, you can't use it to put something on something, right? You just get rid of a status. Yeah. Yeah. But you go outcast two for two two. She can areas character gets plus one military and politics while you are less honorable than opponent. It seems good. Two for two two is still okay, and then likely she's going to be a three three. She enable once again enables cloud the mind. Uh, if you can get enough Shigenjis in. I am very curious whether this is actually a human or not, as the old card with this art was not human. But yeah, I think she's decent enough for right now. Eh, probably human. Probably I'm, I'm not, so. I, I don't know that the, yeah, what the old art is. But yeah, no, but she's she's solid. Yeah, often a 3-3 three, three for, for 2. Can't knock that. Not always, but most of the time. Oh, I guess I guess that's true because well, in the old one, she was some type of spirit, and if she was Soshi, I could see more likely. But as a Yogo, this early, she probably is just a human Shugenja. They might, but they haven't really dipped into that too much. I, I mean, they could, anybody could later. It turns out to be hey, right? All the Scorpion are shadow branded. <laughs> uh, uh, so talking about branding, you've got your young rumor monger. Is a 2-2 two, two for 2 courtier, and whenever somebody would be honored or dishonored, you choose another character, and that person gets it instead. Controlled by the same player. I think this guy is actually quite good. A lot of times you really do care which character is getting honored or which character is getting dishonored. So he really can mess things up. Yeah, well, while the young rumor monger is out, your opponent is very close to just not being able to honor their characters. Well, they can honor their characters, but you're going to throw it on somebody who, you know... Yeah, but you throw it on... There's there's very likely going to be somebody that it does not matter that right. they are honored. No, exactly. Well, and also, I just... Maybe this is me, but I've noticed that when somebody is playing against a crane or against a scorpion, they're much more likely to take fire than they would previously, and he kind of dissuades you against that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the flip side is less relevant. Right. Because there are not a lot of ways that your opponent is going to be dishonoring you, and there aren't a lot of guys that are, you know, that where you have a lot of glory that they're taking a big hit. But there are still times, and that can even be... Right, that you can even do that with the costs, right? Right. Like, if you want to, like if you want to call in favors and it actually matters... You can choose to dishonor one of your characters, have the young monor- rumor monger subvert it, so you get to keep the attachment in the fight and not be dishonored. Also, in uh, like in more of a mirror type of match, he helps considerably because oh, you want to use your guy, your courtier with no honor, who's bowed to play illicit. No, wait, what is it? The documents that cancels the uh, forged event. edict. Forged edict. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. You wanted. Use them for forging. No, your person that you put out with two fate now is actually going to be dishonored. So you know, good luck getting them rehonored and back into relevancy. Yeah, your character is. Yeah, maybe they're actually dinged, and 
And it is important in this that like out you you do have to double check to make sure that you actually have enough courtiers out <laughs> to yeah. pay the <laughs> the dishonor costs on these sometimes. And at the end of the turn, your character that was going to be dishonored and is leaving, now it's the now the person with fate on them has dishonor and is much less likely to be able to pay that cost in the future. So I, I you know that strips away options, which is really good. Probably less good in not mirror matches, but still seems really, really good. Really decent. But next we have the favored niece, who is definitely favored by basically everybody, I would think, because I think she's really good. Uh, I've heard Kyrd Cycling is real good. You know, Scorpion tends to be a combo deck. Scorpion tends to be exactly the type of deck that wants to see the exact cards it wants right when it wants it. And hey, if you're splashing Lion, you can use Ancestral Guidance. Right. Well, and she's one of the she's one of the only characters that actually has... Well, I guess she's not one of the only characters, but she's a character that actually has glory, so getting her honored actually is relevant because she can bust a province. She can bust a military province if she gets honored. She's the cheapest character who actually has glory, for better or for worse. Right. The All the other ones who have real glory are the fours and fives. And the three does keep her assassination proof. So that's actually kind of nice. As has oh, been pointed out by other people, I quite like that her ability is limit twice per round, but her flavor text is, not once in her life had she needed to ask twice. <laughs> I had missed that. But she can. If she, if she, she, she can, can, in fact. If she, she never needs to. So, Shishiro Actress, there are so many crazy tricks you can do with Shishiro Actress, most of which involved your bowed Shishiro Actress who already participated in a conflict disappearing and, you know, becoming some 3-3 three, three, uh, or, or, you know, 3-2 or whatever from your opponent's discard pile. Yeah. She's extremely good. Every Scorpion deck will play her for, you know, they will just play her. I also think that most of the clans, I think they did a really good job matching the theme to the cards that are in play for the most part. But the, the Scorpions seem like they're one of the best because all of their cards just feel very Scorpion-y and, you know, most of them actually do what you want them to do. And this is, like, one of the perfect examples of that. But, yeah, so Shisuro Miyako is the next character. After you play a character from your hand, your opponent must select one, discard one card at random from his or her hand, and or choose and dishonor a character he or she controls. I think she's okay if you... Well, I don't know. If you're willing to do more of a uh, character-from-your-hand type of deck, she's... Obviously, she's way better. I I feel like she's uh, mediocre to maybe low card right now, but she very likely will get uh, better, especially when you look ahead at the... um, Was it the Adept? It's the 2-2 for 2 that you can bounce up into your hand. Obviously, this is like a perfect combo. Yes, the the Adept of Shadows is will let you trigger Miyako every every turn. I mean, and, and how long does she stay around? Maybe let's say you put two Fate on her, but you're right. never going to put more than that, right? But if you put two Fate on her, you might have to trigger it three times. But I, I mean, ev- your opponent discarding a card, and it's a random card. It's not their choice. It's a random card or dishonoring a character. You. Either of those is a very strong effect. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you do have to be playing with the conflict characters, but 
you have one conflict character who you can play over and over again, and you have another conflict character who has covert. Yep. So that's certainly good. I, I mean, there just are not a lot of... Like, are there any bad personalities in the Scorpion? Nope. Not really. Yeah, I mean, I, there isn't anybody here I can look at and say I would not play. I mean, right, Phoenix, we kind of had this with Phoenix. We're like, okay, well, there's one. You, obviously, not everybody's going to make it in. That's that's the thing. I think maybe Mayako, one of the downsides for her, I don't know if you play her necessarily as a 3F because just number one, that's going to be hard to coordinate. But also number two, it actually just brings down your density of courtiers and shugenjus, which is probably more important at this point, since she's a bushi shinobi. That is a thing. Which is not bad. I, I think she could actually be the core for a different deck if you get more of a shinobi-type deck. And then you're probably very much more likely to be playing characters from hand, in which case she's great. Because you could splash lion and, oh, hey, did I lose a conflict? Well, hey, I get this guy for free, and now I get to discard a card out of your hand. And then you get to the higher part of their con- their curve, which is just all hits. Yeah. Bayushi Yunako is effectively, at, at a minimum, is a 4-4. Four, four. For 4. And is probably going to do something a lot better with that. Yogo Hiroi is not as good as the Doji Challenger. Because he's more, and he can't really do his thing on military very well. I mean, he can, but but like it's pull-in... And there's an actual automatic built-in punishment for for pulling the character. And there's no downside if you lose the conflict, if you just really wanted to get that character out of the way to, to clear the path for a later conflict. But be able to dishonor them too and Harpoon, which is a super strong effect. Again, right, you're like, Bayushi Yanako, you're playing three of these. Bayoga Hurai, you're playing three of these. Bayushi Shoujo, you're playing three of these. You're playing with all of them. You're happy to play with all of them. Yeah. Well, and Hero actually has something up on the Kikita Challenger in that he actually can do it on defense. Yes. <laughs> so you're like, okay, well, I'm going to defend. I get to see who all you're attacking with. You left one guy back to defend. Well, Yogo is going to come out because I'm losing the province. Anyways, hey, look, you don't have a defender anymore. Now I move him home with, you know, a card effect and A. We're good to go. Yeah. So... Onto their conflict. I guess we we kind of already hit Adept of Shadows. Adept of Shadows is a, is a an amazing and dumb dumb card. In some ways, it's like my my uh, thing about Ancestral Daisho and Katsuki's method, where okay, you're not really excited to pay two for a two two any one time that you play it, but hey, it does come back. It does let you play it again and again if you are so inclined. Well, and the thing is, you can put her in multiple times, so she can like she can actually attack and defend every single defense as long as you're willing to pay all the costs. That is true. That's also eight fate and four honor, three honor, and three honor. Yeah, I mean that's really pricey. I think I'm less enthused about Adept of Shadows than a lot of people. Like, I've seen like I, I've seen people splash Adept of Shadows. I feel like I've got to have a better splash than, than her, but... Oh, no. There's a reason she costs three. There's a reason why she's three influence. Uh, very frequently, a two cards out of your hand just takes a province with her. 
you have like two people on the board, right? Like your dynasty flip's not super exciting. You pay like three or four and you've probably got like six, seven left. And then people come swing into you and you're like, okay, well, I'll defend. And then out of nowhere, you drop a, you drop her and then you drop a weapon on her and she takes a province and you pop, pop her up. You drop her again, put another weapon on him, on her, you know, a fan and take a different province and then pop her back up. Like I've won games just off of her. It doesn't happen all the time and people start to, you know, learn it. And when they assassinate, it kind of sucks, but it doesn't really suck that much more than anything else, I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, you, she dies to assassinate. Your opponent still lost the three on her. They, but unassuming Yojimbo is, again, covert is so good. And she has that, that three one's a pretty beefy stat line for it, too. Yeah. Like, you only need one other character. And very frequently, she's going to mean your province. Their one defender they left back is not going to do anything, and you're going to take that province. Yeah, and any any kind of boost will take a pro. You know, right? Oh, look, you're you're talking about having a sword. Here's a sword. Right. Crack. You can also like put fate on her when you play him player two. Oh, do I have my one one young rumor monger? I just for whatever reason didn't defend with. Well, he's coming with me, and now if you don't do anything, and I find a four, uh, we just crack it. Well, the young rumor monger is a two, and she's a three, so she'll break even a five. Oh, it's trying to the young rumor monger, the uh, the dial adjuster. Oh, oh, oh. the Bayushi manipulator. Yeah, manipulator. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, but even two, that's five. That cracks basically every province that's not uh, that's not what ancestral lands. That's probably under a stronghold anyway, if it's being played with. Right. So. Most likely. And then you're not going to because there's a province booth from the, the holding. I mean, you're just a you don't assume a Jimbo's probably not going to take a stronghold. I, I've gotten pretty close. <laughs> okay, so you're really enthusiastic about Adept of Shadows. We've got Court Mask. That's the attachment version of Adept of Shadows. I think this is pretty good. I don't think it's as good as the Adept or a couple of the other, uh, or unassuming Yojimbo, but but it's pretty good, and the influences cost is real low, so it's not a bad splash at all. If you're in, in a matchup where you, you're not caring that much about honor, or if like there just hasn't been a whole lot of assassination target opportunities, it really does a pretty good job. And a lot of factions really need politics help, and a plus one, plus two, it's pretty decent for one. It's one of the only items that actually cost where you actually get more stats than just the free ones. Yeah, well, it's good that it better cost something. Right. I mean, in this one, usually you're not... You can. This one is... This one gets... This one is harder to do, like, multiple... The whole, like, multiples in one turn thing. I usually see this more of a, well, I don't care about the one honor, so I'll pop this back to my hand... And for off the character who's going to fade away at the end of this turn, and now I've got it ready if I needed another conflict this turn. Yep. But also combos pretty decently with the depth of shadows if you're willing to pay an extra honor. <sighs> That's a lot of fate too to play the adept and then the court mask. Plus three. And well, yeah, and then pop them both back to your hand, and then have another three to play them again. Well, but it's not even necessarily playing them again, right? Part of honor and dishonor is hand size. So anything that allows me to maintain my hand size while reducing yours helps support the dishonor game. So I think that this 
really helps with that. Yeah. And it helps get me under you so I can use my stronghold. Yeah, I, I do think it's fair to say, though, that Fiery Madness is a far more popular one-cost Scorpion attachment. Yes, uh, because it is dumb. <laughs> negative two, negative two for one is, uh, it's, it's quite good, and it's always gonna be relevant, cause it hits both stats. It's gonna stick around on somebody who is, who has fate. Which is usually who they're gonna try to put it on. It is, right. it is extremely good, it's not, it doesn't feel unfair in the way that some of the other things that are really good do. I mean, they do have to pay for it. It, it's versatile, but in a given fight, it's only the you know the, the minus two is only going to apply to the one. It's when it gets loaded. It's when they get dropped on somebody who has fate. That's a little uh, crunchy. Although, and I'll note that every once in a while, I do get to to be like, oh, this is the second attachment on this guy. I'll use my stronghold to get my, to get the two back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, you cannot bow the uh, an attachment that your opponent put on you. So it doesn't work with, like, Naten Adept, sadly. That's good to know, actually. I think he's got the reminder text on him. It's like Bowie Italics friendly attachments. Right. Well, I don't know. That sounds like fake news. And speaking of fake news, we have Forged Edict, which is one of the dumbest cards in the game. It's just really good. Yes. Forged Edict and Voice of Honor, I hear. Yeah, they're both... The event negation is exceptional. It's exceptional. This is never not going to be played. Way of the Scorpion is never... Like, this is what this whole series of things is, right? Forged Edict is never not going to be played. Right. Way of the Scorpion is never not going to be played. Yeah. Action Dishonor somebody is too good. Calling in favors, I, I think, is really never not going to get played. Right. Yep, I would agree. I Can Swim is probably always going to get played. These things are all just what they want to do and really reasonable for their costs. Yeah. I mean, it does cost two. It does have conditions, multiple conditions, but yeah. like I say, like when we were talking about with the manipulator, if you're pushed with the scorpion, it's just, I'm at five. Especially once your opponent starts, if your opponent gets worried about their honor or something and starts, and all of a sudden starts bidding one, I guess as long as you always bid a five, you're safe because the dial can never be higher than five. Like, the, manu- the manipulator changes the value right. of the bid, but not the dial is the same. Watch out for duels. That can mess up uh, things like I Can Swim. Yes. Uh, if, you know, when the duels actually come up. But, yeah. Now, continuing to push up, though, Ambush. It's bad? Like, yeah... I don't like this, no. Especially, uh, I mean, when if it gets negated, oh gosh, just well, go home. Here's the thing. I think this card got killed because it doesn't say discard pile. When yeah. the other when the other cards that do this effect do say discard pile. Yeah, yeah. Putting an unassuming Yojimbo in out of your hand is a lot less impressive than uh, already in a conflict. Right, yeah, yeah. It's It has to be in a conflict. Well, I mean, I guess the other one is too. It's less restrictive than the Unicorn version because it doesn't have to be cavalry characters. It's just scorpion characters. But just that it has to be in your hand or provinces actually matters quite a lot. Yeah. And then the last scorpion one is Blackmail, which is less... I mean, you talked about this in comparison to Assassinate. It's definitely less good than Calling in Favors. It gets nice when you 
in the same sort of situations, a lot of the same situations where assassinate is nice, where it's like, oh, you have a two-cost character with an attachment on it. Well, I guess taking that character will be an eight-point swing in this combat. Right. But you are paying three for a two-cost character. But it is three, yeah. And it has to be during a conflict, which means they're going to get bowed during it. It doesn't straighten them or anything. Yeah, I mean, well, the main thing is you just... Yeah, they get bowed because you got them in this conflict. Right. I think it's a one-of, because you draw this and play it at the right time, you win the game. Yeah. They play a guy to defend, they strap a couple items on him, you grab him away, and now you, like, their plus six is now your plus six, and hey, look, there goes your stronghold. Yeah. So, the Scorpion have a lot of options. Remember how I said we should try to, like, do these clans faster? I think we're actually doing these clans slower, somehow, than our prior ones. So now we have the unicorn who I know I know Jay you were like what the unicorn exists there was like one unicorn player who did well at worlds right come on so unicorn have what is by far the worst stronghold golden plains outpost has no province strength bonus and the worst ability too I think I, I think it's just harder to capitalize on right now I don't think it's a bad ability. It just be, not being able to straighten really reduces its usefulness. It only works in one kind of conflict because the unicorn, like the lion, maybe even the unicorn even more so than the lion, but the, the unicorn have a tilt towards military and their stronghold only works on military and move-in's not that good and they have a bunch of other things that move in. It really feels like this was a victim of, right, they had been trying to make that other more weird, was it the economic unicorn stronghold or whatever it was, work, and they realized that, like, oh, no, we can't make this work. It's going to be broken, so we can't do it. And, like, I wonder how late this came in because it just seems bad. You could give it, like, a plus three province strength but it would still be bad, I think. But with a, with a zero and what I think is the weakest ability. Like, it's got the worst province strength bonus and what I think is the weakest ability. That's just... I Like, you just gotta feel bad for the unicorn. And they got no holding. Right. And again, Chris likes holdings, right? Right? Yes. I will say, you turned my mind on holdings uh, with your points. And partially, it's because I was playing a lot of care cards from Conflict Deck anyways. So, yeah, I, I like them a lot more now. Yeah. Moto Youth? I think the Moto Youth kind of exemplifies one of the things that you want to so, like look at the Moto Youth compared to the Matsu Berserker. Now, I think that the Moto Youth is a solid character. I like that this is good. Like, okay, I get two for for one. I mean I I mean a two zero, not like a two one, so I can't really do much of anything in politics. But at least I don't have a dash. And during the first military conflict I participate in, and right, I'm going to be participating in, I'm like, military, that's the only conflict I'm going to voluntarily participate in. I go up to a three. The Matsu Berserker, I guess, is a three dash instead of a three zero, but this is a little worse than the Matsu Berserker, but I still think is is a very playable card for for them. But you also look at Whisperer, who's basically this card, just, you know, political instead of military. 
and this is not military, the first one he's participating, it's just the first military conflict each round. That's the thing, like, this is a solid card, and yet it seems to be worse than the comparable one. Yeah. Like you said, Doji Wismater is just a straight-out 0-3. And even the ones that are the dashes, I think the Matsu Berserker is better. I think the Bayushi Liar is way better. Yep. At least the cheap ones are doing decent things, like Itaku Infantry. is great. Yeah, I mean, that's at least a 1-1, obviously, because itself is a... But presumably, at least it's a 2-2. It's a 1-1, which is what it needs to be to face check. Yeah. So, there you go. Another another solid one cost, so we've got that. The aggressive moto? Why? Are we supposed to actually have an answer? Because I don't, I don't have an answer. Yeah, I mean, you remember, I wasn't enthused about the Hiruma Yojimbo. And... Uh, that's like right. Aggressive moto is I can only be I cannot be declared as a defender. So three three military on the attack. The Hurumi Ojimbo is I cannot be declared as an attacker. She's a four three. Now it, it's a little unfair to compare the four three to the three zero because if you're only a defender, right? It's like you, you the Shiva Peacemaker is only a defender on one stat basically. The Hurumi Ojimbo is only a defender on both stats, which you is more important for defense, but still. Couldn't this guy have been a 4-0 for two if he could only be right. a defender? I don't know. I mean, I guess that lets him crack whatever. But it's, I guess it's more dangerous to have massive, randomly massive stats on offense. But still, the 3-0 for two with a, a big drawback seems like a bad card. Yeah. I don't know. Border Rider is, on the other hand, really good. Yep. Straighten is, bow is strong, straighten is strong. I mean, the border rider is only a 2-1, thankfully. Yeah. So this was on a 3-3 body. Like, right, like we don't go back to the 10 master. I got to work for that, but hey, it's a 3-3 and it stands out. But border rider is extremely good. I, The unicorn are going to be, even if they had better options, they'd still be playing with that one. Yes. Uh, she's just good. She actually makes her stronghold uh, work. Mm-hmm. Meishoto Wielder is also, I think, pretty strong. Yes. I mean, I yes, half the time it's bad, but you've probably got other things to spend your fate on then, and the next turn it'll be a 2-2 for one. Yep. Not having cavalry does suck, but... Yes, there are things that, yeah, the Otaku Infantry doesn't have cavalry either. There are definitely things that, you know, that they don't hit on, but I feel like we've got four good cards for the Unicorn so far. It gets more... Problematic later on. Like, starting with the Shinjo Outrider, I don't really want this guy in my deck. That doesn't mean he's not in my deck, don't get me wrong. But, again, moving into a... I really feel like moving into a conflict is a ba- is just a bad ability. As it is. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad ability. I mean, like, one of the things that's holding back Unicorn right now is what the what line have is that they have enablers to flip up their provinces. So you can make a lower to the ground deck and it's okay because you can actually see multiple of your provinces. The unicorn just don't have anything like that. You know, so obviously what you really want to do is send your Otaku infantry or whatever into a province, right? 
And then, depending on what they assign to defend, you move in your Shinjo Outrider, although your Stronghold also does that. But So you can then also send in another character if you need to. That's not necessarily bad, and that's kind of what the Unicorn do, but it, it's... Why couldn't this have been during a conflict, uh, move this character to or from the conflict? That would be a that much... That would be really good. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that's an unreasonable character. One of the the things that you said in there is also significant, which is which is a problem with the stronghold, is that this is a this overlaps heavily with the stronghold ability. Yes, it's more versatile than the stronghold ability, but I, I don't know. I mean, you're right that the yeah, the, I mean, you can you can assign one character, force them to commit to a defense, and only then decide to go in. But I yeah, I much prefer the committing and then pulling out. <laughs> right. With the the send home, it's because that also has the ability to like, I think I'm gonna try to win. I'm trying to win this, and then, oops, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Get me out of here so I can fight in the next conflict. This actually has some not overlap because it doesn't care what the conflict type is. So you can send in your uh, Mishoto wielder, or you can send in your Utaku infantry, and those two, either of those with outriders, going to take most provinces by themselves if they don't defend. It's not great, and part of the problem with that trap, right, is that you can only declare one of each type. So if you send, like, a dude on a military, it's like, I know you're going to move people in. Like, I I mean, you can potentially cause them to overcommit, and that's that's kind of nice, but it's just not strong enough. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. So then the Unicorn have Giver of Gifts, a character I would desperately love to get my hands on. <laughs> Being able to move your, just your, like, your fans and your katana onto characters who are not about to die is a huge deal. You can attack, throw an attachment on somebody, they finish their fight, they go home, they're bowed, there's another conflict, you move the attachment. Doesn't matter if the attachment, where the attachment is, it doesn't matter where the giver of gifts is. None of these people have to be participating. Presumably you're moving it on to someone who's participating right. if there's a conflict going on. But the giver of gifts is outstanding. Outstding. I mean, just a three to three for three, or two, three. You know, three for five stats is basically passing vanilla test at this point. Yeah. Now, the Ide Trader, these are like in the batter land of stats. But you're always going to be getting a card or a fate out of him? Because you got all this move in. And then two for a 1-3 isn't terrible. It's three for a 1-3. No, yeah, but he, he can get you a fate. So essentially he works as a two for a 1-3. Sure, sure, if you get the fate back for him. Right. I think just he's uh, he's got a decent chunk of political skills. So I, I think you probably possibly run him. I don't know. And he triggers off of himself moving in. Yeah. The warrior poet, however, is cavalry. This has not been as good as one might have thought. If you think about uh, Isawa Atsuko, yeah. Jay talked about, that's something you're break- you're busting out to break the province. A lot of the time, this is just, okay, give an opponent minus one, minus one, which is not nothing, but it's not often tons. I don't know, it does negate the credit. you like, I will turn off your stronghold. Lion slash crab. Yeah, but I, I feel like swarm decks are still more in the minority, and this is like what best case scenario probably against lion. Oh yeah, but if you if you hit so if you hit one opposing character, that's like she's a three three. Right. That's not good. 
If he had two, she's a 4-4. Yeah, if he had two opposing characters, eh, that's like she's a 4-4 for three. That's more interesting. But but I don't think you're... Other than that, like, okay, here's our big stronghold fight, which can matter, right? She's probably not more than that. You're not really going to get a big, huge swing out of her. I, I don't know. Right. She felt like she could be better, but I don't know how great she is working out. Still playable. It's kind of fun. I mean, I don't know. Going over this, I, I, man, the, the unicorn are so hamstrung by their stronghold. By their stronghold. Well, I also think if actually if they had any kind of more access to being honored more easily, that they have a lot of really good glory. But that's also a bad side because if any of their people gets dishonored, they basically don't do anything anymore. Now we're starting to get their higher stuff. I guess this is character. So Yumino is still a three. She's a two-two for three. You can chuck a card to make her a four-four. So would you play with a card that said discard this target character gets plus two plus two? Yes, we know you would. That's supernatural storm. <laughs> if you could hit plus two plus two every single time off a of supernatural storm, you'd be happy to play with that. But first, you have to buy a character who's a 2-2, two, two, who, like, should already be a 3-3, three, three, instead of a 2-2. Two, two. If she didn't have an ability and was a 3-3, three, three, like, that would not be exciting. So it's kind of like you were, like, what if this was a 3-3 three, three for 3, and the ability was discard a card from your hand to get plus 1, plus 1? It's still playable. Still good. That Well, that's Predator. better than this. Yeah. That's better than this because you're always at least a 3-3. But yet, even though that's better than this, that's not sexy. I don't really want to play with Yumino, I don't feel like. And then it kind of goes downhill from there, maybe. Moto Horde. I mean, this is okay. It's so expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's expensive. I, I actually think this is still probably actually one of the better cards. Just... A big pile of stats is it's real good, even if it's only in one category. Especially in the clan that has one of the few accesses to uh, ready any of their characters. Although I guess that doesn't matter as much because he's got a blow. No, what care? What action that readies any one of their characters? I stand ready. Oh, I am ready. I am ready. But that, yeah, I, am ready. I mean, you have to you have to pull a fade off of that. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, but well, I mean, you have to actually have that. But yeah, I don't. I know, right, dash is a real thing. Like, that is a real thing as a problem. When you have a character who's six whatever, you don't ever want them in the other kind of conflict anyway. No, but Unicorn have that special way of actually making sure that they can get to military. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you're more of your concern is that you assign it to a military and then they switch it to a political. Right. And because they have a dash, you can't do things like... Switch it back. Or... Like, okay, I'm bad at political, I will attack on political and then switch it to military myself? Because you can't get them in there in the first place? Well, no, you could declare somebody else on the political, switch it to military, and then stronghold them in. You right. could do that. That's frequently what my opponents will do with Unicorn. <laughs> you've, you've got a use for the stronghold. I'm not saying it's great and it's kind of janky to get them to do something, but... I think they're more of a, hey, here's my six, I'm just doing a military attack. They do, by themselves, break any province. Well, and even most provinces, you can have a two... Well, okay, not every single province. I guess there's one they don't break, but... But every other province, like, 
most provinces, even with a two-cost defender, they break it. They're not, but with a two-skill uh, defender, they break Two-skill defender, they break it, yeah. I mean, okay, they can get bowed, but would you rather have a 3-3 three, three or a 6-dash? 3-3. Three, three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not that 3-3, three, three, though, right? I mean, right. I do not like Tatsuo. Yeah. Oh, no, I like Tetsuo. As the next one. Everybody's got their things. They're just so fixated on the the first attack, too. And, the, and then nobody likes uh, Alter... Alter Sarnai. Alton Sarnai. I mean... She does serve their lowest cost spud as dinner that yeah. nobody cares about. There are times that people care. I don't want to, like, argue that, like, she's a great, you know, she's the greatest clan champion or whatever to it. But, like, you know, when you're talking about Way of the Crab, right, and how good that can be and how dangerous that can be, well, you know, if I attack with her, if I'm first player and I say, here I'm attacking, I'm on military, and you're sitting there with that one big guy, you better come up with a way to defeat me. The problem is that you have to break the province. That's exactly what I was going to say. If she was just, I mean, I even think you could say, I mean, I guess military makes sense, but... If it was just I when I win a conflict, I make you discard a character. This is a much better character, obviously. But I think it's actually a, a more relevant to the other character, uh, the other clan champs. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's discarding discarding a character is so powerful. I think that's why she ends up with like the restrictions and the limit. Like it has to be military. That. All right, we've already got two other clan champions that only work in one conflict. Right. Well, but, but I, I still think, like, I understand why they put the restriction, but I think there's enough cheap guys you have to, especially against Unicorn, right? Because you don't know if they're going to be running their province, so you're probably buying more spuds than you normally uh, yeah. would. Yeah. Just because you know, it's like playing against Crab, you're probably buying more spuds than maybe you normally would because you have to play against those cards. So you can't just let them blow you out with it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I let me correct myself. There are three other clan champions who only work in one particular province. There's there's Hitaru and Tatori on the the on one each and then Shoju, although like Shoju versus Alter Sanai kind of emphasizes how bad i mean like and right they both can kill a person too but he's so much better at it than she is <laughs> yep. oh, you, you obviously have a higher op- opinion of, of a lot of the guys than i i do but they they have a solid quantity of dynasty cards down at the low ends i'm not really hot on their expensive stuff so much i do actually like the Moto Horde better than the other expensive stuff, but I got the the stronghold. I just do not like the stronghold at all. Well, I think uh, the stronghold actually makes their other characters not as good, right? Because Tatsuo is literally I bring two characters into any kind of conflict I want. I don't actually think that's a bad ability with a three three body, but. Who are you bringing in? And you're not straightening anybody. So, with a different stronghold, the instant you turned one of these characters to move and straighten, they're insanely good. <laughs> oh, right. Like you, I don't think you could put a straighten on any of them, but you could have a stronghold that's like 
reaction after your character moves straighten it. That would be too good. I think. Off the top of my head. I mean, maybe so, but you know, there's still... If you're restricting it to once, and they're having to use their own ability to do it, etc., I, I think it could potentially be okay. Well, at least then it would more justify its zero province bonus. Honestly, the zero is not is much less important. It's easy to look at and be like, clearly that's worse than anyone else's. But, I mean, obviously when it matters, it really matters. But your ability, you're going to use the ability on your stronghold a lot more than the province strength on your stronghold is going to come into play. There's a good chance, right, that you use your stronghold ability every single turn. And the province strength usually only comes up once. And if your stronghold ability is good enough, then it never comes up. <laughs> right. You know, don't get me wrong. I'd much rather have a bigger <laughs> number on my stronghold. You know, why wouldn't you? But if it was a plus zero and actually had a, a more universally useful ability, I think that people wouldn't get grumpy about the plus zero. I mean, sure, they'd want it to be higher, but... I don't know. So, let's see. On the conflict side, continuing their tradition of having good guys that are cheap, I like the Iuchi Wayfinder. You don't want to overstate the potency of the Iuchi Wayfinder, but hey, it's a body. It lets you look at the provinces. It can be a huge deal whether or not you walk, say, a character with fate on them into a Meditations on the Tao. It could be a huge deal to know that, oh, that's the province with Rally the Cause on it. I probably shouldn't ascend my sign my Moto Horde there. That guy, I think, is an auto-include for them. The E-Day Messenger. Please tell me we can agree that the E-Day Messenger is atrocious. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. I, I gotta pay a fate to move a guy in now? Are you kidding me? And I'm paying two for a one-two. Oh, gosh. So, favored mount, a lot of people seem to like. It's probably not going to surprise you that, given everything I've said about the strength or lack thereof of move-in, that I am not enthused by favored mount. I see a lot of people doing the, a decent number of people doing the, the unicorn splash with favored mount as part of the splash, and I'm like, no. No. I feel like at that point they're doing the they're splashing favored mount just so they can put born in war onto their non unicorn people too. Because you know, two card bad combo is a good thing. Yeah, that I, that I have not seen people do. Well, and that's the funny thing is the ability is better out of not unicorn, right? Because you got the move in. I mean, out of unicorn you put it on one of those non-cavalry guys, because there are a decent number of non-cavalry guys, not as many as there are, like, non... Okay, what am I saying? There's, like, four non-cavalry guys, but... Uh, so I'm not a big fan. Spyglass is my favorite unicorn card. Because it's really good. Because <laughs> card draw is good. I mean, Spyglass is the reason I splash unicorn. Yeah, I still kind of ponder whether or not it's the right thing to do. That could easily change, like because splashing is about like what are the best two cards, basically, give or take. 
two to three, yeah. Yeah, if if it's if there's low enough influence costs and you're a keeper role, it's not often you're going to get to the third card if you're a seeker. But Spyglass is the reason that I do Unicorn. I, like I said, I'm not sure if that's necessary. I don't know if that's the right thing. And it could very easily change because just one card. Like Crane, if you guys got a good second fade card, I'd be over there in a heartbeat. Wait, what do, what do you think is not good? Well, what's the only one good is I am... Oh, well, Admit Defeat, defeat. would be... If I played Crane... If I went to Crane, admit defeat would be the reason I would splash Crane right now. Perfect, perfect gifts, not bad. I yeah, I know you really like it. I that's that to me, that's not a reason to splash. Fair. What if I just bring in Voice of Honor and like maybe I'm like when I get it off, I'm just gonna laugh and laugh at people. <laughs> maybe if your Katsuki people would stop kneeling in blood, you could actually be honorable <laughs> enough to get it off. I I don't know, but but yeah, it's it's. Really, yeah, because I have nothing else in my deck that's gonna. I, I've got court games in the Ring of Fire, not not at all reliable. But if you could draw multiple cards, if you could draw like three or four cards off of a Spyglass, that's a lot of card draw. And just to skip ahead, right? Like the other. Now that I'm down to Seeker, right? It's like three Spyglass and a captive audience, and like an Ayuchi yeah. Wayfinder is what I have in there right now. When my keeper role went away, I lost the second captive audience. And captive yeah. audience sometimes does nothing, but sometimes is fantastic. If you're unicorn, it's more consistently fantastic. It's it's like because dragon have relatively balanced stats, it actually comes up less with us. But still, there are times when it's just you know, uh, it just oh, like all by itself. Oh, you've you've got like eight. Political, um, and two military. Sure, I'll just play this, and now you can't possibly take the province. We're more balanced than we ever really have been, but, you know, as a crane player, I hate this card so much. Even if you're a relatively balanced clan, you are, when you declare a political conflict, or defend a political conflict, you tend to, especially if you're declaring is the biggest one, if you declare a political conflict, you tend to be assigning your guys who are better at political. It might be people who are both, but... You know, even if you're relatively balanced, you still have, like, a 0-3 and a 1-4. Well, the 1-4 stops you from playing the captive audience, so never mind that. And if you then play effects to pump people, like, oh, here's my ornate fan. So there are times when it doesn't come up, but, oh, there's every once in a while it's really great. And captive audience is a exceptionally good card for them. I think those are their three best cards out of the conflict side. Yuji Wayfinder and Spyglass and Captive Audience. Not in that order. I, I think Breakthrough and I Am Ready are not too far behind. Yeah, I, I Am Ready, but not as a splash card because it specifies Pony. Oh, 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 I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't... yeah it is It is terrible as a splash card. Yeah, yes. It's... it's uh, I, I mean, like, taking a fate... Off of that character is a big deal. It is. It is, but you're readying. So basically you're buying a later turn with that guy to get the value out of them now. Yes. Yeah, you're not getting an extra conflict. You are accelerating the conflict that you're going to get. Or making sure you take the stronghold. I just like the bow negation better at a lion. I know that that's 
not as broad as this because this you can stand the guy up between conflicts. But so breakthrough, you guys, did you say something positive about breakthrough? Yeah, I did. Obviously, they want to go first, right? So there, there's going to be problems with that, just generally. But I cannot tell you how many times I've had breakthrough played on me, and the captive audience played on me, and lost two provinces real fast. Well, yeah, but how much did it matter that they accelerated when the second province taking happens? I mean, they can still do that when they declare their second conflict. Well, when it's between Province 3 and Stronghold, it matters quite a lot. That is a good point. Yes. Yes, (laughs) it could matter quite a bit. But, oh, is that the only time you're worried about Breakthrough, really? Though, is when they're going straight onto the the province? I mean, straight onto the Stronghold? I still think that there's some temple. Maybe maybe it's just uh, misperception or whatever. But it does make me have to decide to defend the second one or not. Well, that's the funny thing. I would, I, I almost like psychologically, which does not mean that this is the, you know, correct, but psychologically, like if my opponent takes a province and then breaks through, well, one, one way that it matters is that they get first and they get the next pick of the rings, which can be important. But psychologically now, like this is it. There's no longer the issue of I'm going to make a second attack and I have to decide in making that second attack who I need to hold back on defense. There is no more holding back on defense. I know that whoever I don't defend with is going to get to crack back. Right. There are other things it does. It can shut down your doji challenger. I don't have anything like that, but it can. if you break and then swing again, you just turned off the ability on what is arguably Crane's strongest character. I just also think that this is a, a tempo card. It's kind of a weird tempo card, but it's a tempo card. Because, say I have, like, I don't know, a 1-3 character, or, like, an 0-2 or 0-3 character. We have somebody with three politics or whatever. I can just go ahead and swing that at a province, even if it's mostly better maybe as a defender. It's, but say I see, oh, you don't really have that much political on your side. I'm just going to go swing and maybe I have a card in hand, and I can take your province if you decide not to defend it, if you want to try and take two in a row. Um, now, like, I have to decide, before I get to do that, I, I get to decide, go ahead and do that. And like you said, with the rings, right, you you can't take ring of water and just ring win ring of water, and then that, they either have to defend or, you know, they're going to get bowed anyways. I'm not saying it's the best card. I think it's like a two of. I just, I think it's, on, again, one of these cards that, like, if it's at the right time, it can be really, really good. So there's Breakthrough. Born in War is bad. Way of the Unicorn is... I don't know, like making up for the fact that they have all this stuff that they really want to go first for? I think it's pretty decent. Like, I think going first is a pretty good advantage. Like, I, it's definitely one of the ways you... One of the only ways you don't run three of, but... Going first helps you... If you first pick on rings, you're more likely to get the the bonus fade for passing first, but... You force them to defend, which is actually a pretty big deal, I think. Like, if you have good characters, instead of having to defend against them or give them advantage, you can say, nope, I'm going to, you know, make you defend against my good characters. And then their last one is Cavalry Reserves, like, right, this is the unicorn version of Ambush. 
just uh you know do another painting of them as sort of the opposite of scorpion in a way but they don't get it out of hand they don't get it out of provinces but they do get it out of their dynasty discard pile so how does this compare to charge like charges pay one get one guy this is pay three get six cost of guys which is probably two people but i guess it might be three if they're little ones or you're a champ the upside of cavalry reserves is out of your discard pile right like if i if you could charge out your discard pile yeah that'd be great but partially that's because you only need the one but this is i mean if you bring in your champ like charging in your champ costs one cav reserving in your champ costs three I would much rather use this for, like, two or three small bodies and just try to overwhelm problems. And you also don't get the the fate. Like, clan champions, you really want to put the the fate on them. But yes, I I would much rather, uh, all of the things being equal, if I don't know what the circumstances are and I just have to to choose one, yeah, I'd rather have a three-cost guy, a two-cost guy, and a one-cost guy, or whatever, than here's my clan champ. I know it's making, like, outside conditions for the card, but there are times when, say, you're playing against Dragon, they have one super unit, and you're, like, sent a Moto Horde or whatever, and they're like, well, I'm not going to defend, I'm just going to crack back against you. You have reserves, Alters, and I in, and then they don't have a character anymore. It's an outside case, but it can happen. That would be bad for the Dragon player, who now has no characters at all in play, but that... Like we said earlier, like with Crab, there are motivations when you are playing against Unicorn to have little put spuds for the clan champion and for face checking. (laughs) Well, so I I think one of the biggest, like the two things I would say about, well, probably three things, their their stronghold is just not great with the meta and probably not strong overall. Their low cost guys are the best, but they have nothing to actually accelerate little guys out of the province. And, I think some of their cards are just incredibly strong in the right situations, but they don't have very many universally good cards. Yeah, a lot of their cards are not just, we're good at military. I mean, there's a ton of their cards that are just, we're only good at military, but there's a good number of their cards that are like, we're good in your first conflict. And right. your first, and likely your first military conflict, because we're no good at that other thing. Like, Born in War doesn't really compare to the uh, whatever the banner is for Lion, right? That you don't bow during military conflicts. I don't think Cavalry Reserves is actually as good as the uh, one where you put one on each of the bushy, bushy uh, after you break a province. For greater glory? For greater glory, right? Like, Because I, I think the Unicorn are most directly comparable to the Lion overall, and the Lion's tools are just way better than the Unicorn's generally. Well, and the Lion actually have some politics if they want it right, right. they've got the, the o2 for one and they've got the pseudo dash four for two and if you want to shore up your political with unicorn you've got like the e-day trader and yeah. that's it and bring here here come the otomo courtiers i think if they can just get some universally good actions and, and other cards and maybe another stronghold I, like, I don't think they're far down. I know that seems a lot... Like, I don't even think you need all of those. I just... I don't think they're that far from being good. They're just a little bit lower than everybody else right now. 
they're lower enough that it is noticeable. Yeah. Right. Right. That you can be like, yeah, we all agree that Unicorn are definitely the worst faction. Well, and they, I also think that they're a much higher skill cap faction, which does not help at all in a game that's already somewhat complex. Okay, so that that I think will be the the end of this blockbuster of an episode at the end of the blockbuster series of episodes. <laughs> Stay tuned until I don't know when when we will actually talk about what happened at Worlds, and there's been several pieces of fiction, and probably any second now, I think Thursday, actually, by any second, uh, which is what I mean by any second now, there will be a new Dynasty pack out, so there's still going to be lots of, of L5R to go, but I wanted to make sure that we got this done, and, and hopefully I'll be able to get it uh, out and edit it to you folks in a reasonable uh, amount of time but till then you have been listening to strange assembly your tabletop and l5r podcast you can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com you can subscribe to us there in the apple podcast app in the google play music store or apparently a variety of other pod catching services that i've never heard of until i do something wrong with our feed and then everybody <laughs> has to tell me about how they can't get the the app. So I it's, I learn about new things this way. Uh, <laughs> you can find us on social media. We are facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. You can reach me via email. I am chris at strangeassembly. But until next time, for Jay Earl and Mike Cook, I am Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.